Amen. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 4. Have you found it? Amen. Amen. All right. I didn't say, uh, I didn't, uh, say thanks to my in-laws for being here this week. Appreciate them coming in yesterday. And uh, right along with that, asked me to give a shout-out to Miss Cindyana Jones. Yeah, she's a friend. She watches on the Internet. And uh, she's probably surprised right now I'm waving at her. But anyways, all right. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So 1 Chronicles chapter 4. In the book of 1 Chronicles, we can get lost in all those names, couldn't we? can't we? It's easy to do that. We, we, we look at it and we wonder, God, why did you give us so many names? And he goes through uh, this family and he goes down all the generations. And he goes through this family and he goes down all the generations. And he's going through the nation of Israel and he's giving all these names. We wonder sometimes, even because after the names, we see that the books of the Chronicles line up very similar to those of the books of the Kings. Say, so God, why did, why did you tell us the, the same account, the same story twice? Why did you do that? We have to understand why it was written and the purpose for it all. If you consider the Jews in the time of captivity. Remember when Jerusalem was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar? And they went into captivity for 70 years. You remember that? Reading that in your Bible? Right? After 70 years, another kingdom was, uh, was, in, was in place. The Medes and the Persians, after the Babylonian rule, the Medes and the Persians are in place. And there was a king by the name of King Cyrus, whom I believe to be a man of faith, a man that got saved. And uh, because God leads him to allow the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Okay, This would be in the books of Ezra. Ezra is that historical book that gives us that account. And during that time, the, the, there's several people. It was not a command. They didn't have to do it. He said, if you are willing, would you, would you rise up, go back to Jerusalem? And he gave them a great big offering and sent them on their way. And he said, I want to have part in rebuilding the temple of God. It was the temple that Nebuchadnezzar, the second time he took over Jerusalem, he tore it down, tore all the stones. Uh, one, one, every stone was, uh, instead of being piles, he tore them all apart. They were just scattered around. And he burned the rest of the, the uh, city with fire and all of that. All right? And so they returned to rebuild it. And during that time, think about it, 70 years they had been in captivity. This is 70 years without going to the, to the temple for worship. Can you imagine what you and I would be like not going to church for 70 years? I need church. I needed the choir song this morning. I needed to sing those great uh, gospel songs out of the hymnal. I needed to have some fellowship this morning. Why? Because God uses that for me, for, to encourage me, to help me. And can you imagine 70 years in captivity as slaves, your history destroyed, your, your, your temple destroyed, your homes destroyed, and you don't know what's coming. You're in the middle of this, of this storm. Well, 70 years later, they got to return. And in that process, God used a scribe. A scribe was somebody uh, that, uh, uh, a Levite uh, uh, that would pen the scriptures and copy them down. 
they didn't have the printing press back then. They didn't have uh, Sword of the Lord publishers or whatever it be. They had scribes. And the scribes would make sure that the scriptures uh, endured the, the time, that Lord used them to pen them, to, to copy them over, and to make sure there was more copies and different things like that. But after 70 years of captivity, they have lost some of their history. The Bible is not as easily accessible. Their history books, the books of Moses, all of that. We don't really know what happened to the Ark of the Covenant after Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem. There's theories out there, but we don't know all these things. So uh, the Ark of the Covenant, of course, they put the books of Moses in there, the tables of stone that they put in there, and they put in the, the rod of Aaron that budded and all these things. They lost a lot of things during this time. So we have a man by the name of Ezra. And Ezra was a scribe. And I believe Ezra penned First and Second Chronicles. And the reason I believe that is if you look at the end of Second Chronicles, you'll see that it matches up almost word for word from the beginning of the book of Ezra. Almost as if God was, was continuing on some things there with Ezra and re-saying some things. And Ezra goes on to the history of that return, that remnant that came back. But here we have a list of names. And so, okay, Ezra, why did God have you give us this big list of names? Why did he have you give us, again, the books of the Chronicles? And as they return from captivity, they've lost some of their history. If they didn't have the history books, they didn't have the books of the law, and perhaps uh, in different situations scattered down. Folks, if we don't teach our children our history, they're going to lose it. You know right well that in our country today, they're being taught different things. They're not being taught the history that we were taught. Amen? We can see that evidence in, in the country today. My, my grandfather, my grandparents' era fought against big government and socialism, and we're embracing it today. Why is that? Because we stopped teaching. We stopped teaching our children. All right? So as we continue on this, we think about Ezra. He gave us this big list of names. The reason for that is they've lost, uh, they've lost their king. They don't have anybody sitting on the throne because you had different empires in, in charge and all of that. And so they weren't to return to set up a throne. They, were return, they returned to build the temple. But Ezra said, don't worry, that line of your king, that lineage there, that throne is still there. And Jesus Christ will return and sit on it one day. Amen. All right? And that was the purpose of that. Right in the middle of all these names, we have one that really stands out. But I say really, but he's only got two verses. And that's 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. Verse 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. There's a man by the name of Jabez. Jabez was known for one thing. He's known for his prayer life. Well, wait a minute, isn't that what, what Brother Kidwell preached last week? Yes, it was. But this is where God wants us to be this morning. Jabez was known for one thing, his prayer life. And the great thing about it was, is that God answered it. It's amazing. But I want you to consider this. Let's read these two verses, and then we'll consider uh, what God has for us today. The Bible says, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, 
and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Let's pray together, and then we'll dive right into it. Lord Jesus, we need you this morning. Thank you for your church, and thank you for this time of preaching. Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, we, we call on you because we need you. Lord, we need you to take your word and illuminate it to us and help us to understand it, considering other part passages of Scripture that you'll bring up today. Lord, as we, as we develop, uh, Lord, this message and this story that you want, God, help us to understand who Jabez was, what he went through, and why he prayed this prayer. And Lord, may you help us to consider the history of who he was, where he was, and Lord, some of what went on in his life. And may you help us to understand these things and develop it in our lives. Lord, may we make great application. That's the purpose of preaching today. Lord, is application. How can this help me? What is, what is, what, Lord, what do you have to say to me today? How do I need to respond? Help us with that, please. Heavenly Father, thank you for your will. Thank you for making this come to pass. I pray you'd bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Jabez. Jabez here has a problem. He's got a problem. Do you see his name? See Jabez's name there? Look, look what it says. The verse 9 says, it says, His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. That's what his name means. It means sorrow, a child of my sorrow. It means, it means trouble. It means difficulty. Why would his mama call him that? Can you imagine going through a difficult time in your life and you have a child and you name that child to remember that difficult time in your life? That's, diff we, that's not our culture. We wouldn't do that, but she did it. I'm trying to contemplate. I'm trying to think, God, help me to understand what's going on in this history here. What was going on in Jabez, uh, Jabez mama's life here that she called him Jabez, sorrowful. Consider that his name for the rest of his life would have an impact on his life. That every time he wrote his name down or every time he introduced himself to a new friend or to a neighbor or to somebody he met, he'd say, well, my name is Jabez. And they'd say, ooh, wonder what happened. Right? Because his name meant something. It's hard for us to comprehend that. Maybe your name means something. You might not even know what it means. But his name meant something on purpose. Consider if there was a family that you knew, and uh, can consider just for a moment that uh, uh, this family went through some difficult things. Maybe, maybe there was some older siblings, and one, one grew up and got mixed in with the world and had a, a difficult time and took his own life. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? That's not of God, but that would, that would be terrible. And he took his own life. And then because of that and the struggles of that and the emotional stress of all that, then daddy ended up taking his own life. And mama uh, was with child during that time and just grieving over this great uh, horrible thing in their family. And, and, and really the, the family name is now known for this, this difficulty, this tragedy of this time. And mama has a child in that process and she names the boy Sadness. Because that's what she is. She's, she's sad all the time. She's, she's grieving. She's sorrowful. And every time that boy went around, hey, what's your name? Sad. Now we chuckle at that, but that's exactly what happened to Jabez. Can't imagine that. 
Here, Sad. Come here, Sad. Hey, Sadie. What? What? Sadie? Again, we chuckle at that, but that's exactly what happened here. Not that, not that we know exactly what went on in his family's life, but we know that Mama had a problem and she named her boy after it because it was such an impact upon her life. Can you imagine how he dealt with that? How difficult that would have been? Perhaps in school, maybe he, perhaps he got teased about it. You ever heard of somebody teased because of their name? Yeah. Perhaps he learned to, every time uh, he got introduced to somebody and he gave his name, perhaps he got on the defensive. Well, what do you think about, well, yeah, my name's Jabez, so what? It's possible, we know our pride, we know the difficulties of things we face, and we know many of us from childhood from being teased, we know what that's like. Consider his life. He had a problem. He had an issue with his name that would impact the rest of his life. Every time somebody said his name, it meant something. It meant something. Why did mama do this? Do you think perhaps maybe she had hard labor and, and sorrow in, in bringing forth him, in, in giving birth? It's possible, but that's a, such a, that's a short time, and obviously she would have him for the rest of her life. I, I don't know why she did that. Perhaps maybe daddy died. The love of her life is now gone. We don't see anything about Jabez's father here. We don't see a name. He, he's not the son of. When we have a big long list of names and a, and a big family uh, line coming down here, we just see the name Jabez. We don't see the son of anybody. We don't see his father's name anywhere. Perhaps, perhaps it was in the, because it was in the time of captivity, is it possible that through captivity and slavery and all that, that she was taken and abused? That's a very possible explanation there, but we don't know these things. We're considering it. Some, for some reason, Jabez got the name Sorrowful, and he had to live with it because Mama gave him that name. Do you think perhaps he had an attitude about it or a complex or a, or a chip on his shoulder, and he had to live with that? Oftentimes, we are handed and we're dealt circumstances that we have no control of. Many of you understand that. Many of all of us understand that. Sometimes we are dealt things. We're handed things. We're put in a place that we have no power to, come to, to do anything about it. It's just the life that God gave us. And we've got to make something of it. We've got to do something with that. And Jabez had an issue. Look in verse 10 here. This is what I find so fascinating. And if you would help, if you go with me now and look at this. In verse 10 it says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel. He didn't call on God Jehovah. He did, but he did, it, the Bible doesn't say that. You with me? The Bible specifically says the God of Israel. Don't, don't you believe, because the Bible says that all... All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's on purpose. That every word has a purpose. That every word has a reason why God put it there. And it says here that Jabez called on the God of Israel. Now, way back when in Moses' day, it was I am that I am. It became Jehovah, the, the everlasting one, the eternal one, right? Jehovah Jireh was a one in Abraham's day. Abraham, God that will provide, right? 
And they knew God by his different names that he would give to them. And they knew more about him. But here it's the God of Israel. Now Israel, of course, is the country that he lives in. It's his people. But it was also a person, wasn't it? It was also a person. Israel. Do you remember who that was? It was a man named Jacob. Jacob got his name changed to Israel on purpose because he begged God for it. He begged God for it. Consider Jabez here. He's got a problem. He's dealing with this thing. So he goes back and, and looks at his, his family history here, his people's history. He goes back to the history books. And what are the history books for the Jews? The books of Moses, Joshua, and Judges. I don't know how much that he had access to, but he went back to the Bible. Are you with me? Are you following me here? He went back to the Bible and looked at the history of his family. He called on the God of Israel. Now let's consider Israel for a minute. That's Jacob. What does the name Jacob mean? It means supplanter. It means cheat. It means a, a sneaky fellow. He got that name because of when he was born... Remember, Esau came out, and Jacob's hand took on the heel of Esau. You remember? The Bible explains that. And he got the name supplanter, Jacob. It means one who grabs the heel. In our, in our day and age, it would be like somebody saying, one who twists my arm. He made me do it. He cheated me into it. And Jacob had that name, and of course, we know that he did eventually accept that, and he lived up to his name, didn't he? Yeah, he cheated his brother. He cheated his father. He cheated his uncle. Yeah, and he kept going with that. And finally, one day, he meets with God by the river J Jabbok, I believe it was. Remember that? He's coming back. This is, this is now, uh, he's got all his children. He's married and, and uh, all of that. And he's coming back to the promised land, and God meets with him. The Bible says he wrestles with an angel all night long. Everybody with me in the book of Genesis? Remember that? He wrestles with an angel all night long. And I believe that to be a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. Amen. I do. Because when you look at it, we, uh, angels didn't bless people. God did. And he called and he's begging on him to bless him. And uh, we look at the circumstances of that. I believe that was Jesus. Just like King Melchizedek. Just like the one who met Joshua. Just like the fourth man in the fire. It was Jesus. Amen. Amen? Pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. And Jacob had a name that meant cheat. Meant sneaky man, meant supplanter. And Jabez here, looking back in his history, at his ancestors, at a forefather, and saying, well, here's a guy that understands. Here's a guy that's going through the same situation I am. He went back to the Bible. He said, this is what he did about it. He wrestled with God. He met with the Lord all night long. You remember what happened here? He's wrestling with God, and after he was struggling for a while, and after a while he's just clinging on, and the angel there, Jesus, he says, hey, let me go. The day's breaking. That's time for me to get out of here. Now, Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to do. Angels, obviously, we see in the Hebrews, has more, have more power than man does. We understand all that. But God was bringing Jacob to a point that he could learn something. And Jacob's clinging on there, and he says, let me go. And, instead of, and Jacob says, no, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Lord, I need you. I've done this life long enough without you. I've been in my flesh, and I've, been, I've lived up to my name. I've been that cheat. 
I've, I've done that thing. I've done the way of the world, the cheater way. I've done this, I've done that. I've got the birthright, and I've got all these animals from my, un my uncle, how I've uh, sneaky did that thing and, and all of that, and I got all that. I've went the way of the world, but I'm still missing something. I've got the, uh, I built something of my name of myself, and I, I've got a family, a big family, and I'm wealthy, and I got these riches, but I'm still lacking something. And Jacob said, God, I need you. I need you. I need your presence about me because I'm tired of this fleshly life. And Lord, I need you. And Jabez here, looking back at Jacob, reading about this, the context of his whole life here and his story about this, here's a man that lived the same way I did, had a, had a problem from birth, had a name that wasn't good. And he did something about it. What does, what does Israel mean? Israel means prince of God. He went from being a fleshly man, a sneak, a cheat, a supplanter, to being a prince with God. Because he met with the Lord and he said, God, I'm not going to leave until you bless me. I need you. I'm not getting up off my knees until, Lord, you speak to me and help me. I need your presence. You ever been there? Yeah, Holy Spirit of God, I need you today. It's not flesh. It's not John Woolard who's preaching today. It's the Holy Spirit of God because I've spent some time begging him and saying, Lord, I need you. We need you, Lord. We need your presence. And Jabez, looking back here at Jacob, he understood that. Consider, we, we, we fast forward in his history a little bit. Jacob, now an older man. Joseph uh, is a young man, not sure if he's sold into slavery yet or not, but Joseph's mother, the woman whom Jacob loved, had another son, didn't she? Je this would be Jacob's youngest son. And do you remember when he was born, mama died? Do you remember that? This is Rachel. Jacob and Rachel had a son. And through that childbirth, there was great trial and sorrow and pain. And, and the Bible says in parentheses, and she died. She died from giving birth, Rachel did. And Rachel said, as she's dying, she says, call the boy's name Benoni. That might not be how you pronounce it, but that's my redneck version of it, okay? B-E-N-O-N-I or something like that, Benoni. You look it up in the scripture. You check it out later, right? Benoni means child of my sorrow. And Jacob says, no, I'm not going to call him that. He says, I'm going to call him Benjamin. Benjamin, child of my right hand. Jacob said, I've lived life with a name that I, wasn't, that I didn't want. I've lived life with a bad name, with, a, with, with uh, uh, everybody understanding what that meant. And I've gone through life with this problem, and it, was, it wasn't until I met with God and got real with God one night that he changed my name and made me the better for it. And he said, I'm not going to do that to my boy. I'm going to tell him, he's not a child of sorrow. He's now a child of my right hand. Amen. He's going to be my beloved son. 
and I'm going to take care of him, and, I, and, and I'm going to give him a name that's, that's worth having. Jabez, looking back in his history there, looking back at Jacob and looking back at the, at, at, the, at the Bible here, understanding those things. The Jews knew their history. They knew their heritage. And, and maybe he went to one of the scribes or maybe he went to, uh, we don't, I don't know exactly what time frame he lived, maybe during the captivity, maybe after the captivity. But he goes back to, to a scribe perhaps and says, tell me that story again. Help me to understand it again. Because I've got an issue and I think I know Jacob knew exactly what I was going through. And he went back to the God of Israel. He went back to the Bible. Secondly, he went to prayer. Look at what he prays here. The Bible says in verse 10, And Jacob, excuse me, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. It can, in one sense, it can sound like a selfish prayer, almost as, as if he's praying amiss, uh, as the Bible talks about in the New Testament. But I don't believe that. When I study this, and I look at the details of what he's asking, and I look up some of these words in the Hebrew to understand really what they meant, what he was saying, I don't believe it was a selfish prayer here. He says, first of all, he prays four things. And first of all, he says, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Now, I looked up those words, and uh, that phrase, let me get it right here, I underlined it, thou wouldest bless me. Those, those words there, it's one Hebrew word. Thou wouldest bless me is one Hebrew word. And then the next word, indeed, is also one Hebrew word. So we have two Hebrew words in that phrase right there. And the amazing thing that I found was, it's the same exact word. He says the same word twice. And God used the men that uh, translated in this into English for us to help us understand it. He, they translated in the way they did it, but it was the same Hebrew word twice. You know what he was saying? He says, God, I need your blessing. Lord, I'm asking for your blessing. No, I'm begging you, Lord. See that? He said it twice. And, he, and what he's doing, he's praying emphatically here. He's praying fervently, and he says, God, I need you, and I need your blessing. I've lived this life with a name that means sorrow long enough. And, Lord, I'm ready to put that past behind me. I'm ready to, to, to come out of the ashes of that sorrow and of that time that my family and my mother went through all of that, and it's time for me to rise and be the man that I need to be. God, would you bless me? And would you not just bless me, but bless me indeed. Bless me above and beyond. Bless me abundantly, Lord, that I have your spirit about me. He's begging God for a blessing here. He's crying out to him and begging him for it. He, he goes on and he says, and enlarge my coast. Again, that's one we can look at it and say, well, he's being a little selfish there. To enlarge a coast for a Jew, you got, we got to know Jewish history here. A Jew could not go uh, down to his neighbor and buy property from his neighbor permanently. Couldn't do that. We understand that in, in the books of the law, we, we find that there's something called a year of jubilee. And in the year of jubilee, it was every, once every 50 years that all property re, re, uh, reset and went back to the original owner. 
Okay? The reason for that is because the 12 tribes of Israel were important and their family name was important and it had to be passed on in the family. It was for a reason. Well, we know that reason. The whole, the whole nation of Israel is being set up to bring the Savior, right? That was the whole purpose for it. But here their inheritance and the, what came from their fathers and their grandfathers, a man, if he was prosperous, could have said, well, let me go over here to my buddy and I'll buy up some property and, and I'll plant some beans in, in the land that I, I buy from him. And I'll go over here to my other guy over here and I'll buy up his property and I'll plant, uh, let's see, what do you want to plant over there? Let's plant some corn over there, right? Right? Amen? And, and, he's, and he's, he's prospering. But it didn't really do any, it didn't do law, lasting effect. He wouldn't pass all that property to his son because in the year of Jubilee, it would then reset. Okay? Hopefully he didn't buy it like the year before. <laughs> right? It would be a big loss of money there. And the purpose was that, was that the, all this inheritance and property would be passed down in the family name on purpose. So how did a Jew enlarge his coast? How did he expand what he had? How did he grow his impact and his influence? He had to go to the heathen. He had to go to outside. And he would then go buy property from a heathen or take it from them. And when I say that, I don't mean stealing. God gave the commandment for the Israelites to drive out the heathen from their land. Did they not? Did he not? And did they do it all? No, they didn't. They didn't. Joshua came into the promised land with all, with all the, uh, the children of Israel, and they drove out most. But they left some, didn't they? They left the Jebusites. They left uh, some of the Amalekites. They, that, those were giants, some of the giants of the Amalekites, right? That's where, that's where uh, uh, ones uh, uh, coming out of Philistines were, like Goliath, right? That was the Amalekites. They didn't drive them all out. And there was, there was several others that they didn't drive out of the land. So a Jew could then go and drive out uh, these people and take that land and enlarge his coast. Now stick with me now. He could do that for his own benefit, or he could also say, I want God to be glorified, and I'm going to be faithful to what he's told my people to do, and I'm going to be the one to do that, and yes, I'm going to benefit, my family's going to benefit, but I'm going to make a bigger impact for God on this area and on this world. Amen? There's great application there. Would it be wrong of me to pray that God takes Shenandoah and allows us to reach more people? Would it be wrong of, uh, of one of you bus captains to say, Lord, would you enlarge my bus route? Lord, would you enlarge my Sunday school class? Lord, would you, would you enlarge uh, uh, the people that we're reaching when we're knocking on doors? Lord, would you allow more people to get saved this week? That's not wrong, that's not wrong to pray that. When you consider that numbers are more individuals hearing the gospel and more individuals becoming children of God, that's not selfish. That's for the glory of God. Now, some of us in our flesh can look at that selfishly, but I don't believe that's what he's doing here. When I consider his prayer, he continues here. The next thing he asks for, and that thine hand might be with me. Thy hand might be with me. The hand of God. Does anybody else want the hand of God on them? I certainly do. I prayed that this week. I prayed that this morning. This is the Old Testament way of saying, Holy Spirit of God, you would fill me and use me. This is the Old Testament way of saying that. That your hand, God, would be upon me. That when your hand is on me, I'm blessed. 
the things that I do are blessed. That, the, that the, the devil is not free to come in and take and do what he wants and, and destroy everything. The Bible says he keeps, he keeps him away. I ask God today, this morning, on the way to church, that God would bind Satan. You know right well in this, in this group of people, we have a lot of people in here this morning, that the devil can easily make distractions happen. Somebody in this room has got their cell phone that's not on vibrate. I asked the Lord to bind Satan this morning. Why? Because I didn't want to get distracted. All right? That doesn't mean that, now I said that, there's a cell phone going to go off, right? But, uh, but sometimes there's distractions, aren't there? And we work through those. But I asked God to help bind Satan to keep us on track so that we could be in the Word of God this morning and help us. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. This week I asked God that I would have his presence and I would have his blessing and that I would empty myself of my flesh and my sin that I could be used of him. If I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and I know I took a couple months and I taught through that on Sunday nights, but if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit of God, I've got to empty myself of what I think is best, of my flesh and my, my ways and my wants and all of that and what, what I think is good knowledge and good wisdom and all that and say, Lord, whatever you want. Lord, what, what I, what, I've given you all these areas. I've given you my, my Tuesday nights for Soulwood and my Saturdays for bus calling. Lord, I've given you this. I've given you my life. I gave you my, where, I put your, where, I, where you put me uh, in falling waters. Lord, I, I've given you all that, but this one thing I'm holding on to. Lord, you can't have my music, right? And that keeps me, that keeps me from being filled with God. Because I, how can you fill a cup that's already full? I've already got that. I've already held on to that. We've got to say, Lord, you can have it all. I've got to empty myself. I've got to empty myself so that God can fill me. That's what he's praying here. Lord, that your hand would be upon me. I think there's a lot to do with God's protection there. And walk hand in hand with the Lord there. But then he goes on. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. That's certainly not a wrong prayer there. Lord, help me to not be sinful this week. Help me not to give in to the temptations that I know that will come my way. Lord, the devil knows where I'm weak and he knows where I struggle. And I'm going to be tempted this week. Lord, help me to not give in to that. Isn't that what he's saying? Lord, keep me from evil, that it not grieve me. He says, Lord, I want to be right before you. I want to do right. I want to be holy and acceptable in your sight, which is my reasonable service. Lord, because you died for me, I can live for you. And I can be holy this week for you. Help me to be that. Lord, help me to be that for you. That's my reasonable service. It's, it's a no-brainer. I'm, I'm not going to go to hell, praise God, because I'm saved. Because I've given my, I, I asked Jesus to save me, and I was cleansed from my sin and made a child of God because of that time in September 1989 that I asked him to save me. Because of that, it's my reasonable service that I can live for him. I can be holy and acceptable in his sight. That's what he's praying here. He says then that it would not grieve me. Lord, help me not to stumble in these, in, in these uh, uh, um, temptations that come my way that I not have to deal with the consequences of my sin. That it not grieve me. 
Many of us understand dealing with consequences of our actions and our sin. And we've had to go back and apologize and we've had to confess our sin to God and to other people. And we deal with consequences of sin. What he's praying here, Jabez is saying, Lord, help me to avoid those consequences that it not grieve me because I'm eschewing evil. That's an old Bible word right there, eschewing. Job prayed and asked God. Or actually, the Bible says he did eschew evil. But he prayed often for his children and for himself to do that. He eschewed evil. He ran the other way. He ran from sin and temptation and eschewed evil. Here he's praying that. Four things again. That thou wouldest bless me indeed. Lord, I need you. Enlarge my coast. Help me to make a bigger impact on my world and, and for my family to make a bigger impact. That thine hand might be with me. Lord, keep me and help me and bless me. That thou wouldest keep me from evil. That I'd be holy before you. And that I'd not pay the consequences of sin that I've seen. You think he knew his history with a man named Achan that paid the consequences and his family paid the consequences of his sin. Achan, not only him, but his whole family and all his children were stoned and burnt because of his foolish decision. Completely opposite of what God told him to do. He says, keep me, let it not grieve me. And the wonderful thing here in the end of the scripture, and God granted him that which he requested. There's a verse in the New Testament, James 4. I believe it's verse 8. And it says, draw nigh unto the Lord, and he shall draw nigh unto you. That's not vanity. That's not a false promise. That's real, and it's true, and I know it to be true. Because when I draw close to my God, he certainly draw close to me. If you don't have an intimate, close relationship with the Holy Spirit of God and talk with him every day and throughout your day, then you don't know what I'm talking about. When you speak to him and, and you listen for that still, small voice that the Bible talks about. And he fills your heart with the answer and leads and guides and comforts you through your day. I'm talking about living life in the flesh or living it in the spirit. And Jabez here said, I've done this flesh thing and I'm coming out of the ashes and the sorrow of my past. And I saw that Jacob did it and he did it for the better. And he met with God and he came out of what he was given as a, as a child and he did it for the better. And Jabez says, that's what I want. He had a problem. He went to the Bible and he went in prayer to God. And he said, Lord, help me. Sometimes we have problems and we don't, all we do is just whine and complain about them. Some of us really don't know what prayer life is with getting real with God. And I challenge you this morning to get to know your God. I challenge you to do so. I'm talking about a real, genuine relationship with the Lord. If you don't have a relationship with God, then get one today. The Bible says if you're not saved, if you're not a child of God, you can be a child of God today. It says that, that today is the day of salvation. That, that, that as many as believed gave he power to become the sons of God, John chapter 1. I believe it's verse 12. He gives that power to become a child of God if you choose by getting saved. He's saying, I'm nothing but a sinner and I know what my sin deserves. It deserves hell. The wages of sin is death, eternal death. Yeah. 
But Lord, because you died on the cross, Romans 5, 8, while I was a sinner, Lord, I'll accept that free gift of yours. Right? Romans 6. Yeah. Lord, I want to get saved. That's becoming a child of God. In just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to invite you to come become a child of God. Right here, we'll have men and ladies with Bibles. And you say, I need to know that more. I need to understand that. Would you teach me how to become a child of God? Would you teach me how to get saved that I can have a relationship, a genuine relationship with the Lord? And I invite you in just a moment to do that. Now, Christian, there's many of us in here this morning that live life in our flesh every single day. And it's your choice. You're either going to be fleshly in the way that you think is best, or you're going to turn to God and say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Help me. Help me to put my past behind me. It's all under the blood. Amen? Amen? You know what the choir sang today? It's under the blood. Woo! Praise his dear name. Hallelujah. Choir, you want to sing that again? An invitation? No, I probably shouldn't have you do that. That would have been good. Amen? Come on. That's good. All right? It's under the blood. Let's put it behind us. Say, Lord, enough with this foolish life right here. I need you. Lord, I'm not just asking, I'm begging. He said, bless me and indeed, above and beyond, abundantly. He didn't come to just give life, but he came to give it more abundantly. That's what the New Testament says. If you don't have that relationship that I'm talking about, would you come talk to the Lord about it? Look to the Word of God. Remember the promises of God. They're real. They're true. Let's stop acting like they're fake. Oh, well, I've heard that so many times. It's not fake. It's real. My God is real. He's real in my soul. My God is real, for he hath washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel him down in my, deep in my soul. Would you come? And would you meet with him? Lord, help us today, please. Jabez had a problem, like many of us often have a problem. Lord, maybe it's a problem of sin. Maybe it's a problem of circumstances. Maybe it's a problem of the past. Maybe it's something that was handed to us by our family. Maybe it was something that was handed to us by just the, 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 where we are in life, Lord. You know the job we have, and you know the boss we have, and you know the family we have, and you know the, the circumstances that we have. But Lord, instead of blaming it all on my life and circumstances and paying attention to all that's around me, Lord, help us, like Jabez, to return to the Bible, be reminded of the truth of the Word of God, and turn to you in prayer. Lord, that we not just complain, that we not just run our mouth about it, but that we turn to you, the one who has the power to do something about it. Lord, I'm so encouraged. Here's a man, Jabez, that started off in a bad spot with a bad name. And Lord, he prayed to you a fervent, genuine prayer, and you granted him his request. Lord, I don't believe you granted it just in, in material things. But Lord, you granted him because you gave him, his, you gave him your presence. And I pray 
that, Lord, we would have that prayer this morning. That we would genuinely pour our hearts out to you and say, Lord, I need you. I'm done doing this life on my own. Help us this morning.